0: Hi, my name is Professor Ian Williamson, and I have the distinct privilege of serving as the Dean of the Paul Mirage School of Business here at the University of California, Irvine. Welcome to another episode of the Dean's Thought Leader Series. Today we have with us, I think the appropriate word would be a visionary entrepreneur. We have with us Marlo Brooke, who is the founder and chair of Avatar Partners, as well as the founder and CEO of Simple AR. These two firms are truly groundbreaking and in these firms, they provide a host of services in the spaces associated with heavy duty, industrial grade, augmented reality, mixed reality, spatial reality, and holographics for a wide variety of companies in industries such as aerospace, construction, defense, healthcare, care, and manufacturing, both across North America and abroad. What is really great about these two firms is that they are founded here in Orange County, right down the street from the University of California, Irvine. Marlo, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. And I am very excited to learn a little bit about you as well as the companies you have founded and the work that they're doing.
1: It's an honor, Ian.
0: So let's start with AR, VR. These are terms that are, uh, we'll say buzzwords. We hear a lot about them now. Um, Many people have many different definitions as to what they are. Can you maybe start with what are they or how does your company view them? And then what is the impact that AR and VR is going to have you believe on business and society going forward?
1: Okay, great questions. Um, So it's a subject I'm obviously very passionate about. Um, So definition-wise, Virtual reality has been around for 30 plus years and in in, in use in industry and into the Department of Defense. So virtual reality is where a user is completely abstracted from the physical world around them. They're, they're looking at a controlled environment. Think gaming, you know, you don't see what you're doing, you know, the world around you. Augmented reality is different in that it allows the user to stay in the physical world and see digital overlays of uh, um on top of objects around them. So it really is kind of in some way an evolution of virtual reality. So the term mixed reality is really a combination of both virtual and augmented reality. So most of what we do these days in terms of the advanced things in technology is really mixed reality. It's a combination Ian, of both augmented and virtual reality. So then collectively, you'll also hear the term extended reality. So extended reality is really all things alternate reality, and that includes so that another acronym for that is um, immersive reality. And that goes in segues into metaverse and so forth.
0: So metaverse, this mm-hmm. is another very hot topic. Yes. Uh, I had a very intriguing conversation with my teenage son the other day. He was all about the metaverse. Yes. And I sat there like a clueless father. OK, I don't know exactly what that is. Talk to me about that. Uh, Obviously, this is something that many people see as sort of a a next frontier Mm -hmm. for the way in which technology will shape our lives. How is your organization involved in this?
1: So metaverse is so exciting and it is all the buzz right now. Funny enough, we've been doing metaverse before it was called metaverse and and this is many years ago. So we, we started really getting into industrial augmented reality and building it for the enterprise about eight years ago. It really became enterprise ready and at that point we started doing collaboration, which then became known as Metaverse. So the term Metaverse today means that it's a person that's in an, I say, an imaginary environment or a virtualized environment interacting with multiple virtual um, entities or avatars. And performing functions, maybe they're shopping, they're drinking beer virtually, or they're just doing virtual things. So in business, so our, my company builds augmented reality, mixed reality for business. So the business use case for metaverse is a little bit different than consumers because you know, consumers are, are doing a virtual experience for the enjoyment of it many times, or as a shopping experience, et cetera. In business, you, you wanna get something done, right? So um, metaverse can support business, but really in a, in a way that we call it mixed metaverse. So mixed metaverse, similar to mixed reality, is where you're using a combination of the virtual digitized overlays, but you're in an augmented experience so that the, the employee, the worker, stays grounded in the physical world, but is still taking, um, you know, taking advantage of the benefits of virtualized information around them.
0: Can you give me an example of a product or service you provide to a company like that?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, many things. Um, so, for example, um, we have a customer who um, needs to do engine repair in the bowels of a ship. And they, first of all, they, they see this humongous, you know, engine that needs to be repaired, and maybe the, maybe the, the employee doesn't know how to do that. So, they can, they can take a wearable device, they can even take an iPhone, something you might have in your pocket. These days, Every single smartphone that's out there is AR enabled, MR enabled. Yeah, so it's very much ubiquitous technology. So in this case, um, the worker wants to be able to do a maintenance action, but but this maintenance task is expensive mm-hmm. if it's done wrong. It could kill people. the The ship could, you know, sink. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be very very expensive. You know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix if they do it wrong. Uh, so we're talking about safety of life. Cost, high cost. Also, it's very complex. So how long will it take the maintainer to to perform this? So we have, we give them a wearable device with an augmented reality, mixed reality application on there. And on the job, while they're in the physical environment, they are guided through digital overlays on the augment, through an augmented reality experience while they're actually performing the task which means that as a novice, they don't even necessarily have to go through training to perform a task. Imagine that, what if there's zero learning curve to extremely complicated tasks? Mm. And then in addition, okay, let's say they get stuck. They need a little extra help, but the subject matter expert has COVID Mm. and is across the country safely quarantining. Well, then that's where Mixed Metaverse comes in. So the technician can call up somebody also has some type of a virtual environment or a PC and that subject matter expert that's at home gets on the system and can actually see through the eyes of the technician through the AR wearable device and the technician then can then annotate no go you know put go over here and look at this here and look over here and they can do that through a guided three-dimensional virtualized instruction and so they have, they have the ability to better collaborate in a 3D experience on the job, you know, before the, the, any error can occur so that it's done right the first time.
0: We really have reached the stage of The, the Matrix and all the other very sci-fi movies that, that were out there. We're there now.
1: Ian, I'm telling you, mixed reality is gonna absolutely transform the way that all of us do the work and operate going forward. It's, it's going to transform education. It's going to transform people's careers. I mean, it's, it is literally the next, it is as big as the internet was 25 and 30 years ago for businesses.
0: Got it. So what motivated you to found your two companies, Avatar and Simple AR? How did you get involved in this?
1: So, okay, so one thing is I love my country. Another thing is I love business. And the third is that, I love technology, it. so it's really you know it's a driving passion for me, and I think that there's a lot of people today who feel the same way because I mean we are raised on technology. Mm. Um, it's a huge enabler for us. It can be, and um, really when you when you marry up the the need that businesses have for greater efficiencies, for safety of life, for um, reducing costs, for for reshoring. Mm-hmm. You know, for maintaining equipment here, you know, in our country and for, you know, upskilling our employees. I mean, really, this is a game changer. This can can strengthen our economy, can strengthen our people. It can strengthen um, our industry. The whole industrial ecosystem is going to be massively affected by this.
0: So were you always uh, what was your what was your pathway? Were you an engineering student? Were you what, what got you? How did it start?
1: So um, funny enough, it was it was very much um, organic. I, I was never expecting to be, you know, running engineering companies, software engineering companies. And I was um, very much interested in, in writing and liberal arts and kind of the fun subjects that are, you know, reading and literature and the things that I loved going to college for, <laughs> exploring ideas and concepts. Um, and so it was I got a part-time job when I was in college um, doing, someone asked me to do marketing and I'll build a website. And so I started getting into this, you know, the World Wide Web and the internet and I just absolutely fell in love with it. Yeah, I fell in love with technology. So I'm really a technophile at heart.
0: And what was that first step to saying, you know, I'm going to start a company in this?
1: So that was really driven and everyone always asks me this mm. um, but really it was it was 9/11 mm. it really was um, what I saw when 9/11 happened I mean I'm sure you remember exactly where you were yeah. yeah and it was just the desire to to do good things for this world to make this world a better place a safer place mm. to give back to those people who ran into the building mm. and you know to do to do a good thing and I think that a lot of people that are entrepreneurs mm-hmm. are thinking about being entrepreneurs when they have that heart focus mm-hmm. and the desire to do great. And they also know something about technology. I mean, it's just a natural progression. Yeah.
0: So I should note that, you know, it's not a lot of women who run AR VR companies. Mm-hmm. How has that shaped your journey? The fact that you're probably one of the few.
1: Yes. So I'm asked that question a lot and um, I have to say, yes, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that every single challenge, I'm so grateful for, you know, and looking back. Not always did I say that, <laughs> not always. Yeah. But I have to say that, you know, it. every challenge made me a better leader. Yeah. Every step of the, every failure was not a failure because I never gave up. Yeah. So if we can look at every failure as a learning experience, then we don't actually fail. We only fail when we quit. Mm. And so what I've found is that it's taught me to, to you know, the true, the true um, I would say, telltale sign of a leader is that a leader, a great leader can make other great leaders. Mm. So I have been able, and it's taken me many years to learn this, but I have been able to train my own team who has supported me in being a leader. Um, I have trained them to, to lead the companies. So, so now, I mean, I've been able to take much of a backseat Um, the people that have been with with me from anywhere between nine years and 19 years are, you know, largely running the company. And, you know, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of them and what they've done.
0: Did you feel a sense of tension oftentimes when I I, I speak to successful entrepreneurs? There's a little bit of a tension in the sense that they they had the vision, they founded the organization, but they know for the organization to blossom. Others have to take part in it. And is it sort of period of time where you're sort of handing off your child to someone else to raise or, or someone else to monitor? Or uh, how, Did you feel that tension at all in your organization? And it sounds like you now have a team that you trust and, you know, you know, can lead the organization. But was there ever once of time when you kind of had to constantly think about stepping back or letting go of certain things?
1: Constantly. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing as an entrepreneurial, I mean, the definition of an entrepreneur is a control freak. So I am a self-confessed control freak. So it's, a, it's like a life journey to yeah. give up control. And it is, there's nothing more liberating than giving up control. Mm. And so the way, yes, I've had to train myself and be trained. I, I've taken a, a number of great leadership trainings. Mm. Um, and I have found that, you know, you have to put steps in place, Ian. Yeah. Um, one, you know, one very, Common thing is KPIs or key performance indicators, key per, key performance metrics, mm. holding people to standards, checking and verifying, and then guiding. Yeah, you know, and it's not always so easy and simple, and sometimes it's very painful. But um, if you have, if you if if you respect, you know, really the reason I'm successful is because I have great people supporting me. Mm. You know, I think that's a definition of leadership, and actually power. Mm. You know people think that power is you know what what is power? Mm. Power is a leader is only powerful because of other people. Mm. That is literally the only thing. So people support me. Mm. That's that's what power is. Without those people, I have nothing. Mm. And that's true by the way of all great leaders and all the things you're seeing in the world around, you know, that we're seeing in the world around us right now. Um, yeah, power sometimes is taken by force and sometimes it's not so pretty. But at the end of the day, if a great a leader has no power if they don't have anybody supporting them. Got
0: it. And so you've had to learn that lesson.
1: Yes, and I've had to learn that lesson. Yeah.
0: And so uh, what do you see as being some of the next steps in terms of products or services or, or the types of future things you would love to see your company being able to lead around? What's the type of things that, you know, five years from now we'll be talking about?
1: Oh, so many things. So, OK, so one of the one of the things that will absolutely happen in the next five years is that augmented reality will dominate, will will be the go the go to technology in business. So virtual reality, as I mentioned, it's been around for a, a fair number of years, and it's fairly stable. Mm-hmm. There are specific use cases where virtual reality is incredible. Mm-hmm. So one of them is in consumer, all, in, all immersive environments such as gaming. Uh, virtual reality is very, very good for simulation and training. We have built some amazing virtual reality systems um, for, for training and simulation, especially in the military or scenario training for firefighting police Um, and other occupations. So the reason why augmented reality is going to really surpass that capability is because you have the ability with augmented reality to bring that into a business environment and not abstract the user from the physical world. So really you're bringing in that digital transformation, the digital twin, you've heard of industry 4.0 probably. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff, augmented reality is the visualization of digital transformation. So, and as human beings, we're visual people. That's how we learn, that's how we do. So augmented reality is gonna replace all training. It's gonna replace like video training, text training, particularly we're seeing Ian in um, the more complex occupations, such as um, getting into anything dealing with physics, Mm Or so right now, for example, we're building a a training system for students to better understand the concepts of ultrasonic and electrical current Mm. physics and how that applies to um, evaluating aircraft uh, microscopic cracks that you might not see in aircraft. So non-destructive evaluation is what it's called. these are very esoteric concepts that take years sometimes to learn and master, and generally our entire careers. You know, mm-hmm. it, it takes many, many years to be an expert in these kinds of things. We're seeing a dramatic reduction in learning curve you know, for people that are you know, just graduating and coming onto the, the job market. So you, know, you were talking about an enormous amount of upskilling and, and rapidly skilling people to, to be able to perform you know, very complex functions
0: So every technology always has with it some moral or ethical consideration, um, unintended consequences or any thoughts on that? Are there other thoughts around concerns or parameters or guidance that you think leaders should have about how they utilize this technology going forward?
1: Yes. So I don't I'm not one who thinks that technology is inherently good. Mm. or inherently bad. Mm. I believe it's the people and the intention behind it that drives what technology does. Yeah. Um, I do have some concerns, Ian. One is privacy. Mm. As we digitize everything and we're in these virtual worlds, we've already seen issues there and impacts to students and to society that have been negative. So there's you know privacy concerns and then also the policies around social media. Mm. Um, I am a mom. Mm. I have a, a 12-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old boy and I think about the impact. So I think about the impact that that we even just currently have today mm. with digitization of content and the, the abundance of information that's available. Um, I think about You know, so I I live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of children
0: Mm.
1: and it's great. There's everything from babies to, you know, 18 years old plus, I mean, just tons and tons of children and boys and girls. And the interesting thing is that I don't see kids out on the streets playing, Mm. baseball, basketball, catch, running around, playing in the grass. Mm. And I wonder, you know, where are they? Mm. So maybe they're inside, On the internet doing social media gaming so i truly hope that the future leaders think about the impact on technology and making sure that it doesn't abstract us from human connection and people you know because really i'm not in the business of technology i'm really in the business of empowering people and i i do think about that as well you know or for example you know i'll go to lunch and see a table of people and no one's talking to each other they're all on their cell phones yeah. and so how is technology empowering greater connections or is it not and the only way you know as a business entrepreneur the only way we ever have gotten anything done is by connecting with other people and understanding what the need is and providing solutions and that's all about connection between Human beings. I mean, people run businesses, people run organizations, people run this world. So I, I, I truly do think that we need to look at technology as a, from a perspective of not replacing the human connection, not having a phone be the replacement.
0: That's an interesting tension, right? Because you have virtual reality and augmented reality, which are designed to replicate that interaction. Yet it's probably not the case that there are a full replication, right? There's something still not happening. That happens in interactions like this, and so I think that'll be a big challenge for us as a society to kind of understand the parameters for when and how we use these technologies. Certainly, we're going to use them, yeah. uh, but how we use them is something maybe we still haven't figured out.
1: I think so, and I think that you know there are you know folks who may have fears of oh the technology is going to replace seasoned experts who might be you know extremely adept uh, artisans. Um, maintaining complex equipment, oil rigs and so forth. And I don't see that happening. We will always need people that know yeah. the most because actually we're going to be implementing that into technology to help upskill workers and reskill workers. Um, I don't see that, that need ever going away, but at the same time, we also, in, you know in the United States today, one of What is the biggest thing? Labor skill shortage is mm. one of the biggest issues right now. COVID drove that home. Mm. I mean, COVID accelerated that problem by, you know, having massive layoffs. Now we're seeing skill shortages in construction, manufacturing, supply chain, all through the supply. Look at the ports, mm. <laughs> the backlog yeah. of shipments. Um, we're seeing major skill shortages. And as we have problems in world economy issues and we have... You know, we don't necessarily have the supplies coming in. We're gonna be more you know, reliant on what we have inside of our country, you know, on our continent. And um, we need to be cognizant of that. So augmented reality can really help all that.
0: Yeah, enhance the productivity of the individuals, help with the training of those individuals. Very much. Yeah. yeah. So what do business leaders, if, if you know, one of the audiences for this uh, discussion will be our students. And many of them I know will look to you and, and they will just be at marvel at what you've been able to accomplish and the work that you're doing. And they'll want to think, well, what, what should I be like? How should I be getting there? So what advice would you have for our leaders of tomorrow on how they can best prepare themselves? What should they be preparing themselves for? And how would you recommend they go about engaging in that preparation?
1: You know, um, that's a great question. I think it's so personal. Mm. Um, I think that you know from a, from a very high level perspective, I think that um, leaders, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're, you're going to be a leader. Mm. And leaders have a social responsibility. Mm. Leaders have a social responsibility and in business there is absolutely no place for discrimination. Mm. There is no place for, any kind of prejudice or any kind of injustice, mm. um, there's no point in it. I mean, strength and diversity. Our diversification is what makes us strong as businesses, us strong as con- a country. Mm. Um, you know, so, so that has to be there. I think the other thing that future leaders need to think about is that it's good to be kind. Mm. You know, it it's. Because everything comes back to you. Mm-hmm. And again, the way you become a leader is to get people to to believe in your vision and you and you as a human being. And to to do that, you have to give back to them. Yeah. I truly believe in I, I really believe in servant-based leadership. Mm-hmm. I mean, as it's, it's a twisted concept, maybe it's old fashioned concept and it has people have different opinions about it, but you have to give back. So, you know, this is one of the reasons why from the date of our inception, we, we give back. We're fil- very philanthropic. Yeah. I'm very philanthropic. Um, I think you just kind of have to build that into who and what you are, because if you want other people to do things for you, you've got to do things for other people and to society and to your community around you, even as a small, as, as a small business entrepreneur, even if you're making $50 a year when you start out, you should give, you know. 5% or 10% back to the community Got it. that you serve.
0: Well, Marlo, thank you very much for taking the time, for giving of yourself today, sharing your story, sharing your passion, which clearly comes out around the technology, augmented reality, virtual reality, and the impact it's gonna have on our society. It's, uh, we're exceptionally proud to have you here in Orange County. And I do hope that your story inspires others to uh, get involved in this space and to help shape how we use it going forward and and the types of tools that will hopefully augment the quality of our life.
1: Wonderful, thank you so much for the interview. It's an
0: honor. Thank you.